Good morning, TCC. We worship a great God. My name is Nathan Kern. Uh, my family, my wife Patty over there, and our family have been attending TCC for about nine years. I know many of you, and many of you I don't know, and it's our goal as a family to meet you this year in community. This morning we're going to be reading from John uh, chapter 15, verses 18 to 25 from the New International Version. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you prolonged, uh, belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever, whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. The word of the Lord. Good morning, TCC. It is a privilege to be able to speak to you this morning, and I'm just so excited to be here. Uh, this last little bit has been busy and crazy, uh, and a big part of that, for those of you who don't know me, my name was on the screen, my name's Quinn, uh, I look after the student ministry in particular, I look after the youth group, and the youth group has been really busy lately, we've been seeing some awesome growth with our students, just spiritually, uh, and it's just been so exciting to be able to journey alongside them in this season. And one of the ways that we've been doing that is we've been doing drop-in. This is the, the start of this. We kind of picked it up. This is the first time doing it this fall since COVID. Uh, and so that's right after school on Wednesdays, 3 o'clock, all the way to 7. We, like, hang out, uh, do some homework together, cook a meal together, clean up a meal. Like, it's a big deal uh, every single week. And it's just been so fun to be very intentional in building relationships with students through that time. And during, uh, during the Wednesday night, we transitioned into actual like youth group, our worship service from seven o'clock all the way to nine. Uh, and within that, we've been kind of going through this series called Flipside. And the Flipside series, the goal of it has been, let's look at some of those things that we hold, some of the beliefs that we have about Christianity, maybe some of the key concepts or even some words that come up in scripture or in conversation around Christianity. And let's make sure that our understanding of them is actually biblical. Let's make sure that we're actually getting those definitions from scripture as opposed to maybe the world or, or maybe just kind of based off of other things that we've seen or heard. And so as we've been doing that, and, and as I was preparing my message for today, I think my mind was still kind of going through that whole series. And so today we're going to look at persecution. And, and I really want to challenge you to kind of go through this process of looking at what do you think persecution means to you? What are some ideas that you hold when it comes to persecution? And maybe let's, let's hold it up and say, okay, God, is this your understanding? How, how do you view this in today's world? And especially for us in, in today, in Edmonton, here and now, how do we view, view persecution? 
What does it look like to go through persecution here right now? And I don't know about for you, but for me, one of the things that I think of, and and maybe you've heard of them, I mean, okay, I have to say, when I was like a young kid, like maybe preteen, DC Talk was huge, right? Right? Okay, come on. Who hasn't heard of DC Talk before? You need to do some deep diving. I'm ashamed of some of you students that don't know DC Talk, okay? Uh, but it's, it's an awesome band from, from like the 90s and to the 2000, probably 2000s more so, right? Uh, but man, so they kind of partnered with uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, which is this Christian ministry that looks at people who have died for their faith, people who have died for Jesus because of their belief in him and not willing to give that up. And so they partnered with the Voice of Martyrs and put out these two books, which I uh, very proudly display in my bookcase here at church, uh, because it was something that I really wanted as a teenager. And my parents always were like, one day when you save up enough money, and I'm like, I I don't want to save it up for a book, though. Uh, But eventually I bought them, and I really am proud that I have them. But it goes through persecution, and really it talks about how people give their life for Jesus. And in my mind as a teenager, that's really what persecution looked like is dying for Jesus. But I think, like, again, as I kind of look at persecution and, and to this whole, throughout this whole week, as I was studying it, it really kind of highlighted to me some things of like, okay, what does persecution look like now? And, and really, what does it mean to actually walk through that? And especially in light of our series here as a church on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about living the life. And what I want to challenge and invite you into thinking is that maybe this is a part of the process. Maybe persecution is, is a cost of discipleship. And so we'll explore that today. And so uh, to kind of ready our hearts, I want to, let's just pray. Let's just ask for God to speak that his words would be the ones that stick out. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. And and God, I just very simply pray that, God, that you would be the one who is speaking through your word, that we would hear your voice, and God, ultimately, that we would just walk away maybe um, examining this word a little bit and holding it to you, God, and, and just saying, Lord, speak to us about it. What does it mean today, now? I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And so as we listen to our passage this morning as read, I hope you caught right at the beginning portion that Jesus is actually talking about these two polar opposite ways of living, belonging to the world and belonging to Jesus. And I think, again, in Christian circles, when we think about the world, sometimes, and again, maybe just for me, but maybe for you as well, we kind of get this idea of just everything outside of the church, everything outside of Christianity is the world. At least that's where my mind went to initially upon reading this passage. And as I began to study into it and, and read some commentaries around it, I think it's easy to make that assumption that it's just everything outside of Christianity, But the world in this circumstance doesn't just mean that. It actually goes further than that. Les Christie, in his definition, uh, gives us this really cool description, and and it really challenged my way of thinking. And, And it really simply means, in his perspective, the world is not just the world outside of the church. It is a world that is in direct opposition to Jesus. Direct opposition into his way of living and what he calls us to do as Christians. 
And so if we take our definition of the world as that, as something that is not just outside of Christianity, but rather in direct opposition, we read what Jesus is going to be talking about when it comes to persecution. It's this force that is going against Christ, going against his kingdom. And so let's try to keep that in our mind as we dive into this talk about persecution. And and understanding that even this section of Scripture, remember, we're taking this from this portion of Scripture where Jesus is talking to the disciples in the upper room. And he's having this discussion with them and really beginning to deep dive into a couple of things before he is going to leave this world. And going back to chapter 12, we read how Jesus came to save the world, the very force that is actually directly opposing him. But within that, he brought light, and he is the light of the world. But that light exposes the darkness for what it truly is. Sin and people who are consumed with living for self and the pleasures and desires that that type of living brings. And so what does it mean to belong to the world in that case? It means that there are people who are living for that type of darkness. And the opposite then, what does it mean to belong to Jesus? It is a group of people, Christians, who are living for him to bring his light into the world so that others could come to believe in him. So, very simply, we see this contrast right at the beginning portion of our scripture. Light and dark. And how how then, Jesus is talking to his disciples, how are we going to live in this world that has these two big differences? Simply put, the world lives for self, while Christians are called to live in the light, to live for the one who is the light of the world, Jesus. And this fall, we've been going through the series of what does it mean to really be living the life And we're going to continue to explore that in the coming weeks. And I think we will find that we eventually have this moment of understanding that living for Jesus will actually cost us something. It it challenges us. It, It isn't an easy life to live for Jesus. Following Jesus comes with a cost. There's no way around it. It is something that is challenging to do. And specifically in our passage today, we read Jesus' words and and really almost his disclaimer that to follow him means that we are going to face persecution as he has faced it. And Jesus is aware as he's even talking to his disciples that he's about to go to the cross, that he's about to pay the ultimate cost when it comes to persecution. And so specifically in our passage today, we're, we're reading Jesus' words in this disclaimer, and we realize that where he's going is, is where we're going to have to go at some point, that we're going to have to face persecution. And as Jesus is talking to his disciples, I mean, he's speaking to people who are, for the large part, the majority of them, every single one of them, minus John, is going to die the similar death. They're going to die as a martyr for Jesus. But the persecution that we face today can, is going to be very different, especially in North America. It's very different than what the disciples faced, and, and really even it's very different than what Jesus faced. So what does persecution look like nowadays for us? I think largely persecution nowadays looks a lot more like social pressure. 
social death. And that can most certainly be scary. This type of person, persecution can also be incredibly dangerous for us. I can think of a few students here at TCC, our youth group here, youth, who have talked, who I've talked to over the last few, few years, but in particular this year, who have faced this type of persecution, who have been persecuted socially, and, and, and the students that have chosen to follow Jesus, even at the cost of, of a certain type of social death, at their schools, in their sports, and even with friends and family, man, that is a hard road to walk. They've chosen to follow Jesus and believe that he is the way, and and, and that choice has cost them. And I've been saying this a lot to our students because I think for myself as a teenager, and and even still today at some points, I think it's so easy to have this mindset that following Jesus is, is kind of an easy thing to do. It doesn't need to cost us. It doesn't need to be this big thing that we do day in and day out. I remember being a teenager and hearing from certain speakers that following Jesus would just bring you blessing after blessing. That it would be the safest thing to do. That it would be the easiest thing to do. That it would be the best decision possible that you can make. And I most certainly believe that Jesus is the best possible decision to make. I believe that there will be blessings. But man, in the face of that, there is also going to be so much hardship. It is going to be a difficult path. Following Jesus is a difficult thing to do because it is a moment-by-moment decision that we have to make. And it is far from the safest option that we can choose because it costs us daily. But man alive is following Jesus good. It is so good, but, but it's not an easy thing by any stretch of the imagination. We are called to walk a narrow path that he lays before us. Following Jesus is an invitation at the end of the day to die to yourself. So that he may live through you. And this is a daily, willful choice that we have to make. One that happens moment by moment. And one of the costs that happens when we pursue Jesus in the way that, that he is calling us to, is that we will face persecution. Now, this persecution is going to look different for each of us, but there becomes this interesting dilemma, and, and I know I've done it in the past, where we start to compare different levels of persecution with one another, and when we see someone else facing a different level of persecution, we can almost like minimize our own persecution and be like, well, it's not as bad as that person is facing. I mean, really, it's, it's not as bad as people around the world are facing, and so really it's not that big of a deal. But one of the things that we need to remember, and, and, and hopefully this is an encouragement for you today, is that your persecution doesn't have to meet a certain threshold for it to matter to yourself, for it to matter to others, and most importantly, it certain doesn't have to meet a certain threshold for it to matter to God. We all face a persecution at some point in our life, and that persecution that you face is uniquely yours. There may even be some common ground with one of our friends. Maybe you have gone through a similar story, and you can kind of share that, but but don't ever think that you have to do the comparison game. That is not what this is about at all. 
We all have the common ground that following Jesus, truly living the life that he calls us to, will at some point cost us something. And really, it will do so a lot of the time. It's not really a matter of if we will face persecution. It's really when we will face persecution. And so my question, and, 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 and this is a difficult one, but my question to you is, what type of persecution are you facing right now? Because hear me on this, and, and, and I say this with a lot of tenderness, but if you're not facing any level of persecution right now, this might, key word, might be a flag that you aren't choosing to live the life that Christ has called you to live. And like I say, this is a difficult thing to say because I, if I'm honest, I think I fall far too often in that boat where I'm not facing persecution. And I say this because there are certain things that have to be in place for you to experience persecution. Persecution should never be sought for. That isn't our goal going into any of this. But by placing ourselves in God's will and what he is calling us to do, we will face persecution. And so I kind of came up with three things that I think will inevitably lead us to facing persecution. And those, those three are, very quickly, is that Jesus must be the Lord of our life. Man, if, if we aren't surrendering our will to Jesus and saying, okay, God, not my way, but your way, that is the way I'm going to live my life, we're not going to face persecution. If we are choosing to live our life the way that we want to, we are naturally going to slide in and fit in with the world because that is what they are drawn to. That is what they are doing naturally. And, and really, that is what we have to die to, is saying, okay, Christ, not my will, but your will. This is a key thing when it comes to our faith. We must surrender lordship of our life to Jesus. That, that's not a, 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 uh, a decision we get to make. We have to do that as Christians. As followers of Jesus, our lives must be surrendered to him. And naturally, when, when our life is in surrender to God, he is going to call us to do certain things that's going to put us out there. It is going to call us to have certain conversations. It's going to call us to do unique things. And, and so is our life surrendered to the lordship of Jesus? Secondly, to face persecution, we have to be doing life with and in the world. And this is a tricky thing because as Christians, we are so naturally drawn to doing life together. And that is not a bad thing. We need to be doing life together. We need to spend time with fellow believers to really actually encourage our faith. We need to be doing stuff together so that we are being poured into. But hear me on this. If we're just getting constantly poured into, eventually our cup is going to run over. And if it's just running over with fellow Christians, I mean, that's great. That's a blessing. But that's not called, that's not what we're called to do. We are called to be poured into so that we can pour out to the right people. And the right people is the world. The people that are in direct opposition to Jesus. People whose life don't look at all like ours. We are called to go into the world and bring Jesus with us. To be the light in the world. To shine as he is shining through us. And to say, okay, it is Jesus that makes the difference. Which leads me to my third point, which is to face persecution, we have to be willing to have Jesus conversations. 
It's not good enough to just be in the world. And, and Matt Alive, I was kind of wrestling with this over this last weekend because I think, like, for me, I, I remember sitting, and Tyler Radke would love this. He's not here this morning, but he would love this. I remember sitting in a social class. He teaches social. And I remember sitting in, and learning from my teacher one of the many things I learned in school, uh, <laughs> was sitting in class and, and learning about how history loves to swing from one side of the pendulum directly to the other. And how thinking in the world loves to swing from one side of the world directly to the other side. And it takes a lot of time to do that. But I think one of the things that we as Christians, like one of our like sayings has gone, and, and maybe you've heard this, is like, man, go and, 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 and preach the word to people around you and when necessary, use our words. And I think that's so true. We are called to be in the world and let our lifestyle, let the way that we live our life, like everything about us, allow that to just exude Jesus. But I think we've gotten so comfortable just being Jesus without saying anything about Jesus that we really need to start bringing Jesus back into the conversation. We need to start talking with people and sharing our heart and saying, Jesus makes a difference. He is the one who has transformed our life. It is not me. It it is all him. He is the one who makes the difference. And so, yes, I totally agree. We need to let our lifestyle, we need to let our life and everything about us just exude Jesus, show Jesus to others. But we need to not be scared of a conversation with people and a very intentional conversation that says, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the light. He is everything. And man, I have an amazing privilege to be, to be here, here youth, youth pastor, to be TCC's youth pastor, like, I absolutely love it. And one of the things that I absolutely love is being able to spend time with, like, the leaders of this youth group. We have so many amazing leaders at our youth group. And, and, and one of the amazing things is, is being able to hear their stories. How is Jesus at work in your life? And one of the amazing things that I hear often from a few of our leaders, but one in particular, is how she gets this opportunity in her workplace to say that I I, I serve at my church. And by saying I serve at my church, what she's saying to these people is, I come to, to church not only on Sunday mornings, but I'm here every single Wednesday for multiple hours. And I'm not just here on Wednesdays, I'm here on Fridays. And so when she goes into her work and, and they're doing scheduling, she always, and this is like the humble privilege of being able to serve along these people, is she always requests Wednesdays off because she makes it a priority to be here, to serve our students and to say that they matter and their discipleship matters. And so she's going to prioritize that and make sure that she can take those days off so that she can be here to invest in our students. And part of what comes up naturally when she does that is conversations about why. Like, why are you doing this? Why does this matter so much to you? And one of the amazing things that, like, I've been hearing more and more regular from her when she has these conversations is that she's just getting to say, Jesus, I love Jesus. And I get to be here and serve him, serve these students because I love Jesus. What an amazing testimony, and not something that, like, is a forced conversation, comes up naturally. That's so incredible. 
And like, even one of the girls in our young adult ministry, I mean, like, I am being stinking humbled by the way that she's living her life because she's just made this decision that on Mondays, every evening, that she's just going to host young adults at her house. And she's saying, I see this as an opportunity to reach out and to witness to young adults at my school, to witness to young adults in the community. And so she's just said to all the young adults at our young adult ministry that if there is anyone that you know that maybe needs a meal, like a warm meal, just tell them to come on Monday. And I'm just going to cook a meal for them. Whether they come or not, there's going to be a meal here every single Monday. Man alive, this church is full of amazing people that are just being Jesus to the world. But with that comes persecution of a certain level. Why are you doing that? What do you mean that's what you're doing on your days off? These are the types of things that come up. And that persecution can be easy sometimes. It can be a really easy deflection of like, well, this is why I do it. This is why it matters. And and it just kind of rests. But sometimes it becomes this gossip that goes around of like, do you hear about that person? Man, I I don't know about them. Persecution can come up in so many different ways. And throughout the Bible, you'll find a lot of times that persecution does come up. And Jesus has a lot to say to us about persecution. And persecution ultimately led to his death. But what does persecution mean? It's an important question because we have a history of getting it wrong. I, I mean, my mind, when it like comes to a wrong sense of persecution, immediately goes to the street corner soapbox preacher that's preaching like hate-filled words at the people to the people around them, and then people are being mean back to them, and they're like, oh, I'm facing persecution. It's like you're kind of hating people with your words. And, and don't get me wrong, like there are people who do it really well. And I'm not saying this is a generic thing like of everyone. But I've been there when some people have just said absolutely just spewed hate-filled words to the community around them. And then they're like, oh, I'm facing persecution. You're like, you're not. You're putting hate out there and you're just getting it right back. That is not what persecution is. Persecution is not something that gets self-inflicted when we ram God's word and our Christian lifestyle down others' throats. That is not the case at all. Over and over again, Jesus invites us to understand that persecution is dynamically different than that. In fact, his invitation is one which he demonstrates through his life. John 15, 18 to 19, he says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. So what does persecution actually look like? Well, Jesus tells us very simply it's being hated. And this is a tough part of persecution because following Jesus and living the life that he calls us to will lead to others denying us, to others saying mean things about us, us not being invited to be with the in crowd, perhaps with our family, with social networks that we're a part of, with work, whatever it might be. I've heard of family strains that come up when one of the members all of a sudden choose to, be, choose to become a Christian and everyone else isn't. That's really tough. 
And I can think of someone in particular that comes to mind with that. And like, man alive, my heart goes out to them. Like, that is incredibly tough. I've heard of people losing friends. I mean, I've gone through that myself. I've had to choose Jesus over certain friends because they've said to me verbatim that if you keep following Jesus in this way, if you keep choosing to do these things, I will not be a friend with you anymore. And I remember that happened with my very best friend growing up. Ever since I was in elementary school, we were best friends, and we even started going to church together and all of this, and I really began to give my life to Jesus, and, and we had a tough conversation where it ended up us saying, okay, we can still be friends, but we're not going to be best friends anymore. And that really is so hurtful. And so I can't even imagine people who have had to walk through that, but with family, my goodness. The hate that comes from following Jesus is a very real thing. And it, it's challenging, and it's so tough. Secondly, persecution, according to Jesus, looks like not belonging to the world. We, we don't belong to the world anymore. And so our identity is no longer found in the things of the world. It is found in Jesus And that means that we are going to have to say no to some things that maybe aren't even necessarily bad, but that we know aren't glorifying to Jesus. And man, that's really tough when all your coworkers are going and doing something that you know that Christ isn't calling you to do, and so you have to say no. It's even harder when your boss is included in that, and you know that to really play the social ladder game at work, that you're going to have to say no to things, and maybe that might cost you a promotion. That is incredibly tough. One that I, I, I literally can't even imagine. That is so tough. And there are so many people in this church that have chosen to do that. And man alive, like the crowns that wait for you, that you are going to get to lay at Jesus' feet and say, God, I chose you through this. Man, he's glorified through your life. Choosing to abstain from certain things It's a hard thing to do. Choosing to belong to Jesus in the midst of it all, man, it can be an easy thing sometimes, but it can also be a very costly thing. It is difficult because once we accept Jesus, we aren't magically or miraculously just teleported into his presence. He has us still here for a reason. We are called to still be in the world, but to be different. And that leads me to my third point, which is being chosen by God to be an alien in this world, representing a different culture, which is a Jesus culture in the world. We are still called, very much so, to be in the world. But we are called to be holy representatives of our King. And how we go about representing Jesus matters so much. Like stated before, we we don't ram Christ down people's throats. We do so with gentleness and respect. I mean, look at Peter's words in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but to do so with gentleness and respect. The gentleness and respect requires us to share Christ with love with others even in the face of persecution. And I think that's where the rubber really hits the road. 
How are you going to respond when you're being persecuted? We are called to love people even in the midst of that. I mean, that's the whole part, the whole part of when Jesus is telling the disciples and really the whole crowd gathered around him as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, turn your cheek when you're struck. When we're being persecuted, we don't then turn away from them, stop loving those individuals. Man, we press in more and say, I'm going to love you to Jesus. And that's a hard thing to do for sure. But man, how much more powerful is your testimony going to be when you're loving people that are persecuting you? There are so many passages in Scripture where God invites us to see persecution not simply as what the world will do to us, but also as, as a mark of discipleship, a cost of living the life. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul is saying there, it's not an option. We're going to face this. Again, it's not a if we will be persecuted, it's a when. And like I already challenged us this morning, if we're not facing persecution, we might need to look at our life and say, okay, God, examine my heart. Am I actually doing the things you're calling me to do? Am I in the places that you are calling me to be? Again, this is, this is not an easy message, but I hope it's an encouraging and challenging one. Even Jesus in our passage today in John 15, the latter portion of verse 20, Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They're trying to help us to see it's going to happen. So if persecution is going to happen, what do we do with that? John chapter 15, 22 to 24 says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. So what do we do with that? Well, Jesus calls us to live in the midst of persecution, to to share him, to bring light and, and they're also continuing in chapter 15 comes this opportunity of some people might hear you. Some people might hear what you're preaching, might hear the message that's being brought about by you sharing the light. And so we get to just share it. And those opportunities will come. But we also need to know that sometimes with certain individuals, we might just be planting a seed. We might be sowing a seed that someone else is going to water and someone else is going to harvest. So we just have to be faithful in the midst of that. And one of my privileges with youth is, uh, and we don't have time for it today, so I'm just going to kind of skip over this, but is we, I, I get an opportunity to ask a question to the students, and then I encourage them to actually talk about this question with the people around them and really start processing through these questions. And so I'm just going to put the question out there, uh, and maybe during brunch, or if you're at home, maybe during lunch, whatever it looks like for you, uh, you can ask this question. But the question is, where is God in the midst of our persecution? That can be a tough one to wrestle with, because for some of us, he can feel so near. And for others, we look around and we're like, God, where are you? And I would love you to have an opportunity to, to share with the people around you and maybe to take some responses like I do at youth, but we're, uh, we're fast approaching the end of my time. 
But I, I, I really believe through looking through Scripture and, and really reading what even Jesus is saying here is that he's with us, that he's gone through persecution, that we have a, a, a high priest who actually identifies with us in the midst of that. He has gone through persecution himself, and he can empathize with us. And he is not far away. I mean, we believe that as Christians, when we accept Jesus into our life, that the Holy Spirit now resides within us. And so God is actually there in the midst of it. And in Psalms 23, uh, the famous psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And so even in the face of persecution, we need to remember that God is with us in the midst of that. And again, in Hebrews, uh, the author there is saying that we have a high priest who can, who, who empathize with us in our struggles. And, and in that particular passage, he's talking about temptation, but Christ also went through persecution. And so he identifies with us in that as well. And so we have a high priest who's going before the Father and advocating for us in the midst of persecution, praying over us, believing with us that we are going to worship him through it. So how then do we respond when we are going through persecution? What does Jesus invite us into? There's this great passage in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. It reads, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. And Paul here is, is really telling us, like, no matter what comes, I'm going to serve Jesus. If I face persecution that leads to my death, man, I got to be in God's presence. That's awesome and amazing. But if I get to live, I'm going to still live for Jesus. And I think that's the invitation with us, is as we face persecution, we're going to face it. We get to still live for Jesus. That's our response. We choose to live for Jesus in the face of persecution. And we say, God, you be glorified. God, please be glorified through my life. I want to view persecution as an opportunity to worship you and bring glory and honor to you. So we view persecution as an opportunity to worship. And offering a sacrifice to him that says, my life is completely and wholly yours. So hopefully today this message has been encouraging and and maybe challenging as well. But as we continue to talk about this living the life, our next section of scripture is going to go through how the Holy Spirit is in us, how he dwells with us. And so I really hope you'll come back next week and and hear an amazing, encouraging message about how God is living with us and, and man, the power that comes within that. And so today I hope that you got to see and hear how following Christ actually will cost us something. It will cost us something. And and one of the costs that we are going to have is persecution. But man, we can take heart because Christ has not only gone through persecution, he went all the way through it and, and he died as he was being persecuted for who he was. God in flesh. But you know what? He didn't stay dead, amen? He's a victor, he's a conqueror, and he rose again. And I think that is just such an amazing encouragement that we have a God who faced persecution, who overcame it, and he provides us that opportunity 
that, that, that blessing of going alongside us in the face of persecution, saying, I am with you. We will overcome this. We are going to bring Jesus through this and lift me high, and I will shine through you amazingly. And we get to be just a bright light in our community. And man, as we shine, even in the face of persecution, I just believe that people will be, jo- will be drawn to Jesus that we will see people come to know Jesus, maybe for the first time ever, or maybe some people coming back to Christ because of it. The cost of persecution is, is tough, but man, we don't face it alone. Christ goes with us. He's been through it, and he is with us. And we're also blessed to have brothers and sisters who are also facing persecution, and we can just wrap our arms around them, love them in the midst of that, and, and as they do the same for us, and we can do it together. We're not called to do this life by ourselves, And so this morning, as we count the cost of following Jesus, of really living the life, today we're going to have this beautiful opportunity to take communion together, to spend some time together reflecting not only on the privilege, because it is, at the end of the day, a privilege to suffer in a similar way that Jesus suffered through being persecuted. We remember his persecution We remember that he went to the cross for us, for you, and for me. And so I want to take you, I want to invite you to take a moment as the worship team comes up, and and guys, you can come on up. And I want to invite you just to maybe close your eyes and, and take a moment of reflection. Maybe God highlighted something in particular through worship or through the message today, or maybe even in the passage and maybe you, you can spend this time just dialoguing with him. Or maybe even as uh, we're transitioning to communion, maybe there's something that you know you need to ask for for forgiveness. And so whatever it might be, just take this opportunity. I think it's such an amazing opportunity just to pause and invite God to speak. So let's do that together. God, we thank you for your son. God, we thank you for your sacrifice that you made. That you went to the cross for me, for us. And God, that your body was broken and that your blood was spilled out for us to redeem us, to to bring us back to you. So God, what an amazing privilege it is to be able to remember and, and celebrate the fact of your sacrifice, but to celebrate that you rose again. You are our conquering king. 
thank you for your sacrifice, Father. 